Welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Hi, I'm Tegan Buckley. And in this episode, I am joined by MSF's program manager, Tanya Morgan, and Rob Sonnigan from AgriVision, who is our Vic Mally Seeps consultant. Welcome to you both. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, so let's kick off first uh, with Tanya on a general summary of the Seeps project. Tanya, can you give us a quick rundown? Absolutely. Uh, so the Mally Seeps uh, project is one of our big projects that we've got going. Uh, we've been lucky enough to get some National Land Care Program funding for that. That's one of the big smart farms projects. So it spans five years and the, and the benefit of that is that we can look at some of these management options for seeps over a longer period of time. Uh, we're going to do some stuff with farmers on a demo scale and we're also looking at some specific research sites with Frontier Farming Systems and CSIRO, looking at plants that give us really good water use efficiency, looking at um, ways in which we can maybe identify seep areas before they become a big problem and then also how we can manage areas that are already seeps or in early stages of seep formation with farmers um, yeah, doing some demos on farm. Yeah, excellent. So over to you, Rob, how widespread are seeps across the Vic Mallee then? Look, they are um, very well spread across the majority of our land systems. Um, the Victorian Mallee seemed to have been developed seeps a lot earlier, perhaps in South Australia. We actually had a lot of issues in the 60s and 70s where a lot of um, dune seepage was tackled back in those days and even into the 80s and 90s. But the last 10, 12 years, there seems to have been an increase in um, new sites and also the expansion of existing sites and less treatment had been done that was effective. And um, that's where the treatment's historically done. Some have been very effective and some have not. Um, but the new seeps coming out um, generally uh, almost scattered across the whole area where the old seeps historically have been. And in some farmers' instances, even as new seeps develop where they've never had seeps before in particular areas. So it's quite a new phenomena um, that is quite uh, recent. So we are in a situation that's, um, yeah, dynamic but uh, challenging at the moment to know how to tackle some of them. So Rob, we are seeing that some of the seeps in South Australia are a bit different to Victoria and that's got a lot to do with the water table. Can you give a bit more of an explanation around that? Yes, yeah, so there's quite a difference between South Australia and Victoria. About 80% of our sites in Victoria seem to have historically and currently have start with very high water table salinities and I'm talking you know 20, 30, even up to 40,000 EC, which 40,000 is almost um, the same salinity level as the ocean. Um, whereas most in, New in um, South Australia are around the, you know, two to three to 4,000 EC, which is very, very fresh, relatively speaking. We only have, have found three or four sites that are, are comparable to majority of the sites in South Australia. So there is a big difference. And whether our soils are inherently more saline um, it almost has to be that, I think, um, or the subsoils are more saline and therefore contributing much more salt to the seeps. So we start with a very different scenario of how we tackle the seeps. Yeah, so it gives you a few less management options, most likely, too. Oh, it really severely restricts them. Like even our salt-tolerant grasses, tall wheatgrass, Puxinalia, they, they sort of tend to fizzle at 10 to... 15, 20,000 um, absolute tops, and then they die usually after a few years anyway, even at that 15,000. Um, we're really down to, you know, really salt tolerant trees 
and um, or intercepting the moisture way back in the June before it even gets a chance to get near the near the seepage sites, which again, long term is not really an answer because um, you only have to miss one year of trying to capture that moisture and it's going to find its way down. So yeah, look, it is more difficult and um, we're certainly a lot more challenging and that's certainly what we're facing. So what do you reckon is the cost of lost production from Vic Seeps, Rob? Look, once our seeps go out, um, because of that water table salinity level, any affected area is really lost to production permanently. We've got sites that we did um, establish back in the 80s and early 90s where even today the water leading into those seeps is still that 30,000, 40,000 OC. Best we can hope to do is to stabilise them to stop them expanding and really the internal area affected is sacrificial to our current farming system. So you know, we have our you know, sort of estimated or calculated about 800 to 1,000 hectares of um, minimum of um, saline seepage, um, dune seepage, and you effectively say that's lost to production. So, and, and not only lost to production, we actually have to treat it differently, as in not cultivate or not sow, not spray out summer weeds. We may have to fence it from livestock. So there's costs involved in just leaving the land itself. And like any land lost, you're effectively you know, losing you know, $1,000 an acre um, to, to actual asset um, or potential production um, per annual year. Well, you just based upon economics, you know, annually, if you're getting a you know, 100 or $200 a hectare profit from land, you're losing that every year from those areas. Mm. So, Rob, I guess that just highlights how important it is, uh, the part of the project um, where we're trying to investigate, are there, is there, are there any tools out there that will help us identify um, areas that are at risk of becoming a seep so that we can do some of that early intervention and stop it from getting to that really um, bad stage where there's, there's fewer options or, you know, the ability to remediate it is you're just losing, losing options. Mm. Well, we're hoping that, you know, the research being done by SIRA and that to look at that um, whole landscape um, thing to try and identify emerging areas. But I suppose the biggest thing is, similar to South Australia, as soon as you see those extra wet areas of that ryegrass growing on the mid-slope that is nice and lush or those early indicators of seepage, we just have to start doing something. And for us in Victoria, it's really so important to get a, a piezometer down to get the the level and the salinity of the water table. And once you have the salinity uh, reading in your, in your kit bag, well, then you're off to a really sound start to know perhaps what you might be able to do to tackle and minimise, hold them, or uh, reduce the risk of them expanding. Yeah, that's a really good segue into your decision tree. Um, can you walk us through that and how it works? Yes, and I think they'll be fine-tuned as we go down in the project as... Michael Moody's research on sites and South Australia's you know, and our own demonstration stuff falls into place to know how it all fits together. The, the biggest, uh, the first thing I believe has to happen on a decision tree is to know the level, not, not critically the level, but the salinity of the water table. And once you know the salinity of the water table, then you start to straight away put a series of um, options to the landowner, to the manager, um, that they can consider um, that they may um, do to minimise 
both expansion and um, to try and um, yeah, reclaim maybe. But in our case, a lot of cases, it's not reclaiming, it's just um, halting the spread and stopping further expansion and erosion of, um, of areas. Um, and I suppose once you have that, that figure, then you go down the various decision options of what you can do knowing the salinity. And, um, you know, low salinities, you've got all the options of um, even normal cropping, um, summer cropping, the sorts of things that Michael's research is going to highlight, um, more intensive opportunistic cropping in summer after big rain events, um, lucerne, those sorts of things that can utilise more uh, fresher you know, sail on waters, like down perhaps under five, 6,000 EC. Um, once you get up to about 10 or so, then we're starting to look at very restrictive options of what we can do. And that's where um, the choices you make is going to be very prescriptive per site. I mean, there's not going to be a blanket recommendation. Every site's going to have to be treated different on catchment area, um, how big the potential pan is, the salinity level, and you just sort of work through a series of steps to um, uh, make the final decision. And that will be driven, of course, by the, the landowner himself, herself, but um, they will base that upon what they're prepared to do and how it fits into their current and perhaps future farming systems. Yeah, definitely. So do you think there is a simple answer for Mallee farmers in terms of how best that they can manage seeps going forward or perhaps, you know, what's some basic advice that you can give to them with seep problems at present? Yeah. Well, we certainly believe, and it seems to be consistently showing up, but the really good control of summer weeds is having an impact on um, the moisture accumulation at depth. And that's tends to be things the tipping point of um, why some of these new seeps are emerging. Um, so we have to try and mimic what we used to have in the system to, have, to grab that deeper moisture opportunistically every so often. And whether it is a deep-rooted crop, a, um, you know, a, um, opportunistic lucerne for two or three years, whatever it may be, that's the sort of thing we have to feed in um, and manage that. We will get some really good options coming out of a lot of the demonstrations and trial work over the next few years. And we're hoping to consolidate that and provide farmers with some really, really good options out there. I think the other thing that um, we have got in Victoria too is some really um, sound results from long-term work, but you know, 30, 40 years where we've got bores, salinity levels, various types of reclamation um, of different species, especially for salt torrent tree species, where if that fits into the farmer's long-term management, we know the species that can survive in certain water tables. We know what the spacing is ideal. So we can sort of look at all those things that we can minimise mistakes or um, actions that are going to be a waste of time and money, which is very disappointing if you plant something and, you know, 10 years time, it literally all dies because the wrong choice was made. Um, they're the sorts of things that we really hope this project is going to highlight. And I think um, we have got the opportunity here to really highlight some of those successes and failures that we've witnessed over the last um, 30 and 40 years. And of course, the new emerging information coming out of the sites that we're currently doing. Yeah, great. Is there anything final that uh, yourself, Rob or Tanya would like to add while we're here chatting all things seeps? Uh, we do look forward to picking your brain on some um, individual farmer case studies that 
uh, we're hoping to follow through the project. So we'll get yep. some more detailed information on, on how you work through that decision tree with those farmers, which will be great to share. And, and it'd be great to you know, go to, you know, I, I think there's two or three really good case studies, historic ones that we can go and visit the farms of ASL and um, then the new ones too. But um, I think Victoria really offers a pretty unique position of really looking at um, the learnings from stuff long term, which can be so beneficial for rather than um, short term, and also the impact of salinity levels, water table salinity levels on those um, treatments. Which, you know, to, I think, you know, to see some of our treatments, you know, 40 years on and they're stable and have stopped expansion, and yet their water tables are 35,000 OC is really fantastic to see, you know, the management that's been done there, which is basically don't touch it. <laughs> really, to be honest, and that's um, really what they have to do. Oh, I think this project has a unique advantage in that we're combining a lot of that old research, adding some new work as well, and you know, hopefully we're going to come up with some really fantastic options for farmers to try and stop the spread of Mallee seeps. And I'm really looking forward to early next year spending those few days out in the field doing some more of these with the farmers and the sites, and um, you know, sort of really honing in on uh, and, you know, we still have to round off with the EM38 to finish off the case studies because we just have had such a restriction in Victoria on travel and opportunities to do extension at this last 12 months or nine months. It's been, yeah, rather frustrating, to say the least. Absolutely. It's been a total pain. So onwards and upwards. Watch this space. Lots more comms and research to come out of this exciting project. Well, thank you both for joining us on the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't forget to share this episode with a mate if you took some value away from it and be sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.